Have you ever asked yourself, what's the best way I can contribute to sci-fi and fantasy in the literary world? If you have, the answer is simple. You just have to be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt and host the Sword and Laser podcast. If for some reason you can't be Veronica Belmont or Tom Merritt, however, don't despair. All is not lost. You can still head over to patreon.com slash swordandlaser and help fund their hard work. Every cent you give adds more swords and more lasers to their growing arsenal of speculative literary goodness. That's patreon.com slash swordandlaser. Welcome to the Sword and Laser. I'm Veronica Belmont. And I'm Tom Merritt. Sword and Laser is a book club, but it is so much more. We bring you author interviews, news from the world of science fiction and fantasy, and awesome discussions from fans just like you. Couldn't do it without you. And in fact, it's because of you that we are healthy again and drinking. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Couldn't do it without you. Wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want to. Wouldn't want no, to. really, no. we just lay down and, and just wait for you to come back. Yeah, Tom, what are you, what are you drinking in the meantime? I'm having a Lagunitas IPA. Ooh. Not the first time, probably not going to be the last time. Uh, I am IPA neutral. Like, IPAs were really hot for a while, and everybody loved them, and I, I never loved them as much, but I like them fine. Uh, and now it feels like maybe there's a little IPA backlash and I'm like, well, mm. no, there's nothing wrong with them. But every once in a while, I like a good IPA and the Lagunitas is one of my faves. Do you think that's because there are just other kinds of beers? Is it a seasonal thing? Why do you think there's this backlash? I think because it got it's one of those like I liked it before it was cool and now it's too popular. So I'm not going to mm. like it anymore. OK, I see. Uh, I'm drinking something that never goes out of style. Rye whiskey. Rye whiskey, rye whiskey, rye whiskey, I cry. If I don't get rye whiskey, I surely will die. Yeah, that's that really fits in with the context of everything else we've been saying in this conversation. Um, I'm drinking a James Pepper uh, 1776 rye whiskey, straight white rye whiskey. I have a hard time saying the word rye, especially 1776 will rise again. Rise, get it? Rye. No, I didn't. Is that what that means? Is that supposed to be the joke? Did you just make that Uh, up? No, that's from InfoWars, the Alex Jones show. Oh. But is I he the, the is rise. he the crazy one? Is he the nut? Is he the kind well, of crazy one? Depends on whether you're uh, <laughs> friendly to the establishment or not. We know. saw him one time. Yes, in, we did. In we Austin, saw him at a laser tag important. At laser right. tag. He was with his family. He's a really nice guy. He was nice, and and Justin and Brian, uh, Brian Brushwood and Justin Robert Young went up to him and said hello because they knew him from the skeptical world or the anti-skeptical world. What we're talking about. Ask your parents. No. There you go. Uh, hey, let's uh, jump into the quick burns. Yes, because today is launch day for the second of our Sword and Laser Collection books. Certainly not the last, but Jim McDonald's An Unattractive Vampire is out. And it only took about six months of me working with him on this project to pronounce his name correctly. Jim McDaniel. Instead of Daniel? Was that what Mc- you were doing? I would No, I was saying McDaniel. Oh, Okay. That's Let's give him a little extra consonant or something, vowels, whatever. A little another syllable in there. Mm-hmm. In that? Yeah, yeah just I, for free. I gave him to that. I gave him that free for syllable. free. Yeah. <laughs> Who wouldn't want that? So anyway, uh, no. in fact, he probably would take it. He's like such a nice guy. So an unattractive vampire is out now. It was out today, uh, March fifteenth, twenty sixteen. It is a very funny book. And, oh, our quote is right on the Amazon page. We say, thought vampires were dead? Well, of course they are. But Jim McDaniel proves that they don't have to be boring or sparkly. 
That's right. There you uh, go. So yeah, if you're like, wait a minute, vampire book? No, then you're actually the right person to read this book. If you're the person like, oh, I'm so tired of vampires, read this book. This book was for you. Mm-hmm. It's very funny. You guys should definitely check it out. And I'm biased, of course, but I still also think the book is really funny. I wouldn't uh, just say that. No, I agree. I 100% back Veronica in this statement. Uh, Dharma Critty uh, on our QuickBurns thread at Goodreads.com pointed out the story that Ian McShane has been cast as Wednesday in the American Gods adaptation for stars. And of course, Ian McShane played Heathcliff in the 1967 series of uh, Wuthering Heights. We all, as oh, you're, you're looking at me weird because you remember him as Don Lockwood from Dallas. Mm, uh, in, mm, mm-hmm. in, in, no, no, mm. that's not. Oh, Dead Deadwood? He was in Deadwood? <sighs> Didn't yeah. watch that either. Didn't watch that. But okay. you know what I know he is also going to be in? Game of Thrones. Yes. As a matter of fact, he uh, is uncredited yet. He's, Lots he's of coming rumors. up in season six. Lots of rumors of who he's going to be, but he, IMDb won't tell, and neither will I. So you know what? Good year for Ian McShane. That's all yeah, I have I to actually, say about that. Uh, you know who he is, though, right? Like, you know what he looks like and everything? Yeah. So you think he's a good Wednesday? I don't really remember anything that happened in American Gods because we read it so long ago. (laughs) She's only saying that because we can't get Neil Gaiman booked on the show. I'm not bitter. I'm not bitter about (laughs) that. He's a busy man. I can't I can't help that. I can't remember alone the show. I mean, the movie. I mean, the book. Mm -hmm. Any Mm -hmm. of the things. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. (laughs) There's no movie yet. No, but there is a show (laughs) coming soon that you can watch and then you'll be reminded. Uh, Alex wrote, good news for everybody who likes non-Western science fiction and fantasy like me. Several drool-worthy translations are being released this year. Among them are the final volume in both the Three Body Problem trilogy and the Nightwatch series, and the never-before-translated-to-English book by Arkady and Boris Strugatsky, The Doomed City. This is all coming off an SF Signal post about science fiction and fantasy in translation. That's very cool. Yeah, we we there's some great stuff that doesn't start in the United States or the UK that we don't hear of until it's been a while. But not even yeah, just not in English. And yeah, then, yeah, and you get left out till it gets translated. Joanna says Lois McMaster Bouchold was interviewed by David Larson for the New Zealand Herald, a pull quote that she found interesting. A great game change came, of course, with Amazon's Kindle, and it's been huge. I now make as much or more every month from my, quote, totaled e-sales as I used to make every six months from my paper sales. I have no idea how long this mana from e-heaven will last, but it's holding steady at the moment. That's great. I I remember when we met her at Baycon, and she was talking about, and this was what, two years ago, two and a half years ago. And she was talking about, yeah, she's kind of experimenting with e-sales because she owns a lot of her catalog now that the publisher didn't want. Mm-hmm. And she's looking forward to seeing how well it does. And I guess we know, like, that was a good, good move for her to get the rights back. Yeah, 6X good, apparently. That's great. Seriously. She is such a peach. She, she is. is. Just we should get her back on the show. A she's dear, sweet, brilliant woman. And I am so happy to know her, to have known her. I don't think she remembers me. That's why I say to have known. She's very much alive. She's still alive. Very much alive. Yeah. Yes. Uh, Tamahome posted on our quick burns. Lots of the books from Peter F. Hamilton this year, uh, including the conclusion to the Commonwealth Saga, uh, which is coming September 27th in the United States. But yeah, he has a post uh, linking to all 
the different short stories and contributions. Uh, the Hunting of Prince of the Princes, book two of the Queen of Dreams Children's trilogy is out this summer as well. Tons of stuff from him. Awesome. And in other big news, uh, the SFWA uh, named Sir Terry Pratchett as recipient of the Kate Willem Solstice Award. That's coming from sfsignal.com, friends of the show. Bittersweet. Um, yeah, yeah. It's always sad when someone wins uh, posthumously. Pos- posthumously. Um, but very well deserved, of course. A, yeah. a legend, as a commenter says, and, and very true. Absolutely. Uh, then Philip K. Dick Award nominees uh, have launched a new website, according to SF Signal, and uh, the nominees have been announced. Brenda Cooper, Edge of Dark, After the Saucers Landed by Douglas Lawn, a Revolution by P.J. Manny, Apex by Ramez Nam, Windswept by Adam Rakunis, and Archangel by Marguerite Reed. Uh, these are all books in the tradition of Philip K. Dick, let's say. Found out I have friends in common with Ramez Nam. Um, so I would, uh, he was supposed to be on the show ages ago. He was supposed to be on season two of the video show, in fact, and we never got him on just because of timing. Um, so I would love to have him come back on uh, in the near future. We've been so booked up for interviews. I mean, first world problems, I guess, uh, yeah, timing yeah. wise. Um, but I, I'd love to get him on this spring sometime. I was looking for the actual definition here. Philip K. Dick is presented to uh, science fiction published in paperback Paperback, form yeah. first, rather yeah. than going to hardback and then to paperback. Uh, Tamahome says that V.E. Schwab's A Gathering of Shadows debuts at number 15 on the New York Times bestseller list. And that is exciting because V.E. Schwab, uh, also known as Victoria Schwab, is in the running, in the final running for uh, the March Madness over on Sword and Laser as well. Uh, yes, uh, V.E. Schwab uh, and uh, N.K. Jemison, um, uh, Michael Sullivan, and Ken Liu uh, all, all socking it out over, yes. <laughs> over here uh, in the final four. Darker Shade of Magic is up against The Grace of Kings. And then the fifth season is up against Theft of Shorts. Swords, <laughs> not shorts. Don't steal the Not S-words. Definitely yes. not S-words. I'm at the uh, point now where I'm excited to read any of these books. So I think everybody's a winner. So yeah, are we at that point yet? Are we talking about the March Madness update? Yes, that was the March Madness update. If you haven't been following along, Tom has done a phenomenal job of getting the brackets together. Uh, you can see where we're at right now at swordandlaser.com slash March dash madness. March madness. Uh, we did another show before this. So my mouth is like super tired already from all the talking. I apologize. And the rye whiskey. And the rye whiskey, it does. It is a little dry, a little smoky, a little dry, mm-hmm. causing a little uh, pucker. I apologize. So if you're like, wait a minute, hold on. I thought March Madness was a basketball thing. What the hell are you talking about? Uh, you got to go to Goodreads. That's where we're voting. And we started back on March 5th with 16 different books. Uh, each of them paired up against another one in a pull, narrowed it down to eight books for round two, which went March 9th through the March 12th. And right <gasps> now... Uh, March 13th through March 17th is the final four and you can still vote. You can still get in there and vote. And what really is encouraging to me is more people are voting every round. Oh my God, Tom, breaking news. What? We have breaking news. What? Breaking. Dun, dun, dun. Jim McDaniel found Vampire Secrets on Vimeo in its entirety. What? Okay, so this is a little bit of time travel for you folks, but next week... When we talk to Jim McDaniel (laughs) in our interview episode, which we just recorded before this one, uh, we talked about Vampire Secrets. uh, 
which is a History Channel show that my wife worked on, and Veronica and I were extras in in bit parts. And Josh and, so, and Josh Lawrence. and Josh Lawrence. Uh, <laughs> So, yeah. So we'll put a link to the show notes if you want to watch an hour and a half of of, uh, of <laughs> vampire Just secrets. Skip through until you see Madame Bathory's scene if you want to find Veronica. If you and can then find I, me. Josh and I uh, play a pair of French doctors. I'm virgin number five. I have no speaking parts, but you can tell it's me because I have a weird bandana wrapped around my head because that was when I used to have my big plugs in my ears, my earrings. Oh, I forgot about that's why. And yeah. it wasn't period appropriate. There so was a big, like, like, not to do, but a big like discussion about the best way to like handle that. So they wrapped a scarf around my head and I look like an idiot, but it's... <laughs> I can't wait to look at it. All right. So you guys, we'll put that in the show notes. You can check it out if you feel like watching some some pretty old, pretty ridiculous History Channel documentaries about vampires. I love that he found that on Vimeo. That's amazing. All right. Well, now it is time for Bury Your Sword, which is our feedback from the audience. Uh, short segment this week, uh, we have an email from Jenny who says, Dear Veronica and Tom, and the acknowledgments for all the birds in the sky, Charlie Jane Anders says she will come to your house and act the book out with finger puppets if there are confusing or disliked parts. I think you should take her up on it for the wrap up. Do you think from- we could? I we think we could try. ask her to do that. That would be amazing. So, but we have to figure out how, like what part we would want her to do. What part is confusing? Um, we're not saying that uh, the... Because hmm, hmm. Yeah. that seems to be the key. We have to find a part that we find confusing so she can come and explain it. That's what she's well, saying. There are, she says confusing or disliked parts. So there are definitely a few folks in the audience who are like, well, this part didn't really ring true with me or I, I didn't really love this. So maybe we get nominations from people. Well, I don't want to start a hater thread that's about true. like we parts they that. didn't like. But if but you want to just... There are, already, it, there are already people... We'll talk about them in a minute in the book wrap-up. There are already parts where people are like, wait, what about okay. this? Natural natural place. Well, we'll talk about that. That sounds good. I think Charlie would be up for it. I'll have to see if she's if she's available. Um, if she's free, yeah. And then we'd have to videotape it because it's puppets, of course. Well, we could do it on a Hangout. That's true. Right? <laughs> I wonder if anyone else has taken her up on it yet. I'm so Break. curious. Yeah. Hey, let's uh, talk about that book then. All right. Yes. Is it time to wrap the book up? No. Well, it's wrap it up? Wrap no. It up. No. Up. I'm not, it's what the am I 15th about? of the month, crazy. dude. Come on. What are you, Tom? Give me some time. It's the Lagunitas talking. Oh. Uh, no, we're just checking in it's on all the February. birds in the sky. It's not Jeez. <laughs> by Charlie Jane Anders. Uh, we will wrap it up next time on March 29th. Uh, and by then, March Madness. By the way, I don't know if we made this clear. The whole point of March Madness <laughs> is to pick the April book. So that is when we will know what the April book is, is at the end of March Madness, uh, when that wraps up uh, on March 22nd, I think. Anyway. People are loving the March Madness, by the way. They're having it's a fun. blast with it, and it's really fun. So I think if if not a yearly thing, at least a uh, maybe perhaps a fun every few months way of picking a book. I, I mean, know. we are not bound by the rules of the National Collegiate Athletic Association. We can do June Madness. Uh, mm, we, can, mm-hmm. we can do... October Madness, we do it whenever we want. I like it because I feel like people feel like they have a say, get to pick from a lot of different books, and can't complain when it gets voted a winner. Oh, believe me, that is not true. (laughs) All right. Uh, Amy says in her thread, 
This is the first sword and laser book I've picked up for a while, and by the end of the first page, I was horrified. Ugh. I hated the writing, the sentence fragments, the false tone, but the end of the first chapter or so, I hated the characters. Only somewhere, somehow, I fell in love with the writing, the tone, with Patricia and Lawrence with a U. If this book doesn't have a happy ending, I'll throw it at a wall, then cry because I'm reading it on my phone and I need that. Tell me I'm not the only one who feels this way. <laughs> Did I not warn you people? Did I not warn you that it starts out kind of simplistic, that it starts out a very different book than it turns into later? By the time you hit book four, it is a completely differently written book. And I tried uh, to warn the, you guys that. By the way, Amy followed this up. Uh, let me see. How long later? It was 3.37 a.m. when she posted that that you just read. 5.33 a.m. the same day, she writes, Well, it was good enough to pull me along from the first page to the last in a single sitting. Reminded me a lot of The Long Earth, actually. I wasn't sure if I loved that at the end either, even though I sort of did. Either way, it's late and I'm tired. Maybe I'll sleep on it and have an epiphany in the morning. <laughs> <laughs> then she writes at the end, uh, see, I like the middle of the first half best, or maybe just the middle. I did like the end though. So it sounds like, and I, I think this happens to a lot of us where we get an idea about a book. Maybe it's based on the marketing. Maybe it's based on the author. Maybe it's based on the author's picture. Maybe it's something somebody said to us and we decide what we think of the book before we start reading it and look for confirmations. It's classic confirmation bias. Like, ah, see, she's pulling weird metaphors. Oh, she's putting too many tropes in uh, this and that. And what Amy seems to be experiencing, and may, maybe I'm totally wrong, Amy, but what seems to be happening is Amy had these ideas and the book kept fighting back against them. And she's like, uh-huh, but I like it. Uh-huh. I don't want to like it, but I like mm. it. I mean, that's crazy. I, yeah, I can, I can definitely see how she got there. Um, I'm glad she stuck with it. I yeah, really am. I, I wanted to put this one in particularly because I am an unabashed fan of this book. I, I adored every single word. Uh, and so we need, we need some, some less enthusiastic responses. And I like the fact that she was unabashedly like, no, I started this book hating it. And it turned me around at some point. I'm curious and to it, know what particular scenes she found confusing or frustrating. So maybe we could. Yes, Amy, let try. us know. <laughs> Perhaps you will have them enlightened by finger puppetry. Ah, moving on. Uh, Mr. says uh, to balance things out a little bit. Similar to Peregrine, who you may not know yet if you haven't gotten far enough in the book. And the novel Radiance, this book seems too self-aware. Too much focus on the tropes and themes and not enough on a good progressive narrative. Too much art and not a really good story, in my opinion. I enjoy the writing, laugh at some of the jokes, and find many of the ideas interesting. But the story itself seems really to be lacking when I try to go back in my head. It isn't realistic. I know the word shouldn't fit in with sci-fi or fantasy. The story jumps around randomly. The characters, especially the parents, don't behave like real people. And the story doesn't fulfill everything. Um, wow. I disagree. Um, I, the, I, I disagree with the part about the parents not behaving like real mm. people. I have definitely known those people. Okay. I, you know, I have to admit the parents for me are the toughest part in the book. Really? Uh, and I felt that way the first time around. And actually the first time around, I felt that Roberta was very problematic. Uh, when I read the beta, I feel like maybe in the final version, I don't know if it's if it's because I'm listening in audio or if it's because they changed things to the final version, but I feel like they really toned down Roberta. And I don't know 
if she just came off more violent to me in in the beta read or if they really did edit a lot of that down in the final version. Hmm. Um, But she was a big problem for me. Uh, But the parents, I think, in the audio version of the book for me now are even more frustrating in the in the way that they act. And we all had those conversations with our parents where we feel like they aren't listening to us or don't understand us. I think that's just part of being a kid. But especially in Lawrence's case, like it just seems so abusive. And so like both of them have these experience of like borderline abusive scenarios and treatments. I think well, the, the, the parents are def- they definitely stand out. And I think this is why it's a legitimate complaint for people to have, which is, wow. So all the parents, because we don't, they're the only parents we meet, uh, are really crappy and self-involved and that's unrealistic. And if you look at it that way, it's true. Uh, I mean, not the, all parents are like that. It, it, they almost feel like caricatures in a way of how a, and maybe that's because it is written from the perspective of two teenagers who are going through a lot. And so that's how they see their parents. And so that's how the reader sees the parents. Um, but the only barely redeeming thing we ever get from one of the parents is when Lawrence's father tells Patricia where he is. Mm-hmm. And I think because he maybe felt a little bad about putting sticking him in in the place he stuck him in, not to spoil. I, I think I guess what I was going to say is, even though these are unrepresentative samples of parents, I definitely have known parents like this, and not my own. I'm I'm mm-hmm. not saying like is this is not some veiled attack <laughs> on my own parents, but I had friends whose parents were inattentive and self absorbed, but also pushy. Like we're not going to really do anything to help you, but we expect you to act this way and you're just going to do it. Uh, and so these, these relationships rung very true to me. I think probably the most valid critique is that if you're going to have Patricia have that moment with her parents, maybe it would have been nice to build up a little more of their relationship. They're getting too far. You're getting too far into the story. Yeah. We don't know what that moment is yet. I'm trying not to spoil anything. (laughs) Okay. But I, I'm I'm saying that you know in very vague terms that you know she has a moment later and you need to have you you could say that you need to have more build up earlier to make that payoff. Does that mm-hmm. make sense? Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, so yeah, good good take, Mister. I'm sorry, I, I I do agree with you on some of those parts on those points, but I I still think the characters are enjoyable, and I do definitely think the story fulfills something. And also, it's it's a tale about people. Sometimes it's okay to just read a story about people and there doesn't have to be a huge overarching story there, do you think? Well, yeah, I I agree. And that's why I enjoy this. Uh, Somebody else in another thread said that they didn't like Patricia and Lawrence just like they didn't like Quentin in The Magicians. And that, that really struck a nerve with me because I feel like that's a taste thing, not a writing thing. Uh, you you just don't like this kind of story then where you have these mm-hmm. kind of characters like you're not going to like a Lawrence. You're not going to like a Quentin. Doesn't mean the Magicians is a bad novel. Doesn't mean all the birds in the sky is a bad novel. Means not your kind of characters that you enjoy reading about. And there's nothing wrong with that. Uh, that's like saying, gosh, you know, I ate this cookie and it was sweet. I hate sweet things. You know, it's like, well, then don't eat cookies. Eat something else. Let's. Mm-hmm. It's it's just a matter of taste. And I I definitely enjoyed these characters for the same reasons I enjoyed the magicians, which is these incredibly flawed personalities that exemplify people I've known, mistakes that those people have made, mistakes that I have made in my life, 
and watching how they deal with it in a totally removed situation with, you know, crazy devices and witchery and all that sort of thing. Yeah. And, and just to, to your point a little bit as well, um, uh, the, uh, what was I going to say? Crap. Oh, I forgot. No. Oh, Quentin. Quentin's a lot more likable in the TV show. I feel like he's weaker though. Like he's Mm -hmm. almost too weak in the TV show for me. Side note, side jag there. Like I kind of want, I kind of want more cynicism from him in the TV show, which is one of the things that he definitely has in the book. Yeah. Interesting. Uh, Shall we finish with Michelle who said, okay, I might be getting myself in trouble with this one, but am I the only one who felt like the CJA (laughs) Charlie Chain Anders was checking off every single box for diverse characters and socially conscious themes. Also, maybe I should have put this in the self-aware thread. I keep finding myself liking Patricia and Lawrence for brief moments, and then I'm smacked in the face by something trying so hard to be all-encompassing and heavy-handed about it. You know, I that's a very good question about the um, diverse characters, though I think, you know, coming from Charlie Jane's experience as a trans woman, I think it's it's nice to be able to have the ability to write characters in the space that you know, and also to be able to, you know, you don't often when you come from a from a minority group, you don't often re- get to read about yourself a lot in books. And so I think it's nice that as an author, sometimes you can inject some of yourself into what you're reading. And so in the book, we have a lot of diverse characters. We have gay characters, we have lesbian characters, and we have characters dealing with diseases. We have characters, you know, from different ethnic backgrounds and and cultural backgrounds. And I actually think that's really nice because that is when you're talking about the melting pots of San Francisco and Boston, like that is kind of the experience for most people living here. So maybe it feels a little heavy handed, but that part doesn't bother me at all. I think that's just what we live when you live in a big city. And that's what Patricia and Lawrence are experiencing. And Michelle points out, Patricia and Lawrence are not in those diverse groups. No. Uh, and so it's kind of set, set it off for her that like, oh, but everyone around them is. I'll be honest, I didn't notice. Yeah. Uh, and that may be a failure in reading on my part. A lot of times character description is the thing that gets lost on me when I read. Um, but I, it didn't it didn't stick out to me until Mich- until I read Michelle's description. And I was like, oh, I guess she's right. Uh, but I was more focused with the the types of personality that the different characters had rather than whatever group they came from. I just like thinking about Lawrence as being a, a like typical tech bro. He's basically a tech bro. <laughs> we have a lot of those in San Francisco. That's yeah. for sure. And, and some things are intentionally, I, I would assume intentionally uh, character caricatures like him doing some of those tech bro things again, not to get spoilery uh, in the book. You're like, oh, okay, I know, I kind of know what event she's writing about here, even though it's a different event in this book. So she's, you know, she's stealing a page from Larry. Get it? Larry Page. Uh, <sighs> stealing a bit from Kevin Rose, you know, here and there and compiling it together. But that that's the kind of thing where maybe if you know something too well, you see the wires. And I think maybe that's what's going on with Michelle is like, she was hyper-focused on that. And so it stuck out to her. She kind of saw the wires, whereas a lot of people may not. Well, thank you everyone for your really insightful comments on the book. Yeah, this is um, good. 
Yeah, very, very good comments. Uh, we've got another couple weeks left until we wrap up All the Birds in the Sky by Charlie Jane Anders. So stick with us. And then on the next episode, too, we'll find out what our April book read is going to be, though you may find out about that earlier uh, by being on the forums over on goodreads.com. Uh, congratulations to the winners of two copies of The Life Engineered that we uh, give away at the last regular book club episode two weeks ago. Adam G., I'm not going to try to pronounce your name, Adam. Gutschenritta. Yeah. Gutschenritta. Gutschenritta. And Mark Martinez. uh, Both are the winners who sent us some suggestions for our monthly silliness. Thank you for doing that. We will contact you and let you know uh, how to get the books, which is basically give us the address and we'll ship them (laughs) to you. Uh, And then Joanna wrote in to make sure we did not enter her in the giveaway, (laughs) which I thought was funny. She, She wrote in was like, Please do not enter me in the giveaway. I already bought the book. There you go. All right. Cool. Though she could have won a copy and given it to someone. I'm just saying. Just Spread saying. the love. Just saying. Just saying. She probably just didn't want us to know her address. That's Maybe fine. that's it. Privacy. We stalk her. Yeah. <laughs> our show is currently entirely funded by our patrons at patreon.com slash sword and laser. Thank you so much to all of you out there who do back the show. It makes our life worth living. You're the best. You're the greatest. We love you passionately in that way we're not ashamed no so go support us at patreon.com slash sword and laser if Do you're it. not too creeped out yet Do uh, it. you can also support the show by buying books through our links find the links to the books we talk about and some of our favorites at swordandlaser.com slash picks and if you're just gonna go buy something super expensive on amazon if you go to swordandlaser.com and if you look on the right-hand navigation and you scroll down past the anthology button, you'll see a little Amazon ad. It's not an ad, really. It's a banner. If you click on that banner, it'll take you to Amazon. And anything you buy in that session, we get a little bit of money from. By the huh? way, if you have Easy. an ad blocker on, you might not see it. You so might you not see it. And say, I don't see it. It's because you have an ad blocker on. That's why. Because it's made like an ad. But. It's not really an ad, but if you click it, it takes you to Amazon, and then we get the money. That's how it works. That's uh, how it works. And if you do have an ad blocker on, you can go to swordandlaser.com slash picks, click on any of those, and it works the same way. Hey, and review us on iTunes. We love it when you guys leave us reviews. It's our favorite part of our day, that day being the day we get a review, which doesn't happen very often. So please make those days happen more often and leave us reviews, because that way more people can find the show, and then we get boosted up the rankings, and that's good for everybody. Yeah. And when we say everybody, we mean everybody. So big, big <laughs> thanks. I was trying to find, I was trying to find, oh, to Bad Andy Lives, the last person to give us a review on March 7th. Thank you. If you want to get in touch with us, our email address is feedback at swordandlaser.com. The website is swordandlaser.com. All of our discussions happen over on Goodreads, and you can call and leave us a voicemail at 4157-SWORD-6. We'll see you next time. Bye. Bye. so good it's like you're there